Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. But if you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Hold music. You want to avoid it, and so do your customers. So say goodbye to hold music and hello to faster, smarter support with Salesforce. Make service more personal and agents more productive using built-in trusted AI. Then watch costs and wait times drop and satisfaction soar. Support customers in a whole new way with Service GPT. Learn how at salesforce.com slash service GPT. What is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, I sat down with DJ Swivel. Jordan Young, known professionally as DJ Swivel, is a Canadian music producer, mixer, audio engineer, and DJ. He is a prominent audio engineer best known for working with Beyonce as her personal recording engineer. He has also worked with BTS, Jay-Z, Kanye West, Fabulous, Jay Sean, and many others. In this conversation, we talked about what it takes to not only become a Grammy-winning producer, but how to navigate the music business. So please, before we get into this episode, share this episode with a friend, screenshot it, post it on your Instagram story, tag DJ Swivel, tag myself at Casey. And again, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, leave a five-star review on iTunes. It means the world. Enjoy. All right, what is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. Today, we have my man, DJ Swivel, coming on the show. Oh, Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. So, we met originally, what, beginning of this year, was it? No, it would have been last, last year, year for sure. Okay. Uh, interesting way of meeting. Yeah, very interesting way of meeting. But, um, man, your, your career has been amazing. You not only have won Grammys and have worked with some of the biggest musicians in the world, but you, just the way I've known you, have you're, su- you're such a humble person and your character is amazing. But I want to tell the people, if they don't know who DJ Swivel is, how do you describe what you do? Um, well, I do a lot and I've, I'm sure we'll get more into it, but everything surrounds this like hub. I sort of reference my career as like a bicycle wheel. And like the hub is like creating music and making music, but... Then there's all these spokes that sort of extend and protrude outwards that are related to music and related to what I do in music, but might be, uh, com- you know, unrelated in practice. So, you know, like <clears throat> developing software, yep. it might be music related and my experience working in music is helpful for it, but it, it's not the core, it's not the core uh, totally. job or, or, or role of, of creating music. So. I just sort of describe myself as somebody who, who tries to do a lot yeah. of things and I happen to love <laughs> music and, and everything sort of revolves around that. For so, sure. Yeah. So how did you initially get into the music business? Like where did this all start? Um, well, I was always a fairly decent student in high school, but music was the thing that I really excelled at. Like I did, you know, won a music award and I was just always interested in music. I just liked it. And I think over... Time, like I was fortunate, I had um, 
my mom was very supportive of like, you know, I don't care what you do with your life, just make sure you choose something that you really love. And that was sort of reinforced from when I was young. And so I, I would always think about, well, what's the thing that I'm not going to be tired of? Like, what's the thing that I'm, because I tried everything, right? I don't know how you, you yep, were as a kid, 100%. but I played every sport. I was in every club. I, you know, you try a lot of things and try to, yep. there's a lot of discovery and, and music was the thing that, that stuck. And every time I was introduced to something new in music first, uh, it was like playing instruments like violin and trumpet and, and bass guitar. And then I got into DJing and that opened up a new world. And then in my high school, I learned how to produce and like use a keyboard and make different, like one keyboard yep. can make an entire song. And I, that was amazing to me. And so every time there was new discovery, my love for the space just grew. Uh, and then, yeah, it just seemed like the logical thing to do. Like, do I want to get a four, <laughs> a four year degree yeah. doing like a business thing or do I just want to go after this like dream? For sure. And so you're I from Canada, right? Yeah. From Toronto. Okay. For, so when was the moment of, where, you know, you graduate high school, you're going all in on music career. Like, what was the first, some of the projects that you've worked on since then? I know that you've worked with people like Beyonce and Kanye West and so many amazing artists, but like, who was the first person that you worked with that had some success? Uh, the first artist I have, my, my first paid client was Fabulous. Okay. Um, I had done a couple little paid gigs before that, but like my first client that I was going in every day was, was the rapper Fabulous. Okay. And so... I really uh, learned the craft of engineering uh, with him. I learned a lot more about production. I wasn't producing for him, although I did end up producing um, uh, one song for him. Uh, but yeah, he was the first client where I had to, you know, you're starting your own business, right? I'm yep. a, a, an independent contractor. I got to learn how to send out invoices. <laughs> and, and then also in music, you really have to learn how to, speak to people and interact with people. And a lot of the, the music business is just making sure that the artists feel comfortable around you. So yep. there was a lot of learning in that. And Fab and I are still uh, friends to this day. And, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I learned a ton sort of working under That's him. Cool. He was like the first uh, paid uh, client. And I met him through, you know, my mentor Duro who signed okay. Fabulous. So there, it was all sort of in the family. For sure. Yeah. Like what was the, the journey of going from people like fabulous to, to working with bigger stars. Like what was the journey of working with different people and how does that even work behind the scenes? Right? Cause you go to someone's Instagram or you see a producer and they've worked with dozens of the biggest stars. Like yeah. how was the buildup and what does that look like from a career perspective? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I was very fortunate in my career actually, because I got an internship with a guy named Duro uh, in New York City, and he had signed, uh, him and DJ Clue started Desert Storm Records, they signed Fabulous, that's how I got in the door with Fabulous. Yep. But then after that, it's like sort of you, you know, the people who I met around Fab, I, you know, the way that I connected with Beyonce, uh, Fabulous's assistant, uh, she was dating uh, an A&R who happened to used to work with uh, Beyonce or Destiny's Child on tour. It was like a tour manager helped help them on the road. His name is Omar Grant. Uh, just through knowing him through these fab sessions, because he would be around uh, at, at some point, Beyonce's team called him and said, hey, do you have an engineer to fill in? And he thought of me, right? There was no Very plan cool. there. There, yeah. wasn't, there wasn't like a strategic thing. We're going to try and like land a session with Beyonce. Yeah. Um, I just got a random phone call one day that was like, 
hey, like, we know you, we trust you, we know that you can work around artists, and she needs somebody, like, can you help? And so it was really about being of service, uh, and then just generally making friends and, and building relationships and sort of like expanding the, the network sure. just from the sessions you're already in. Yep. Right? And it's like being, the, being in the right place at the right time. Like yep. you're, you're setting yourself up for that moment. Yeah. Yeah. How was it working with Beyonce the first time? Uh, the first time I ever met her was like, like I, it was extremely <laughs> nervous yeah. and I actually met her in the bathroom Okay. Which sounds crazy, but like, <laughs> how does that at, work? <laughs> I was at Rock Nation Studios and I'm like, you know, she was a little bit late. And so I was just using the restroom. Like, I was washing my hands. Like, it wasn't anything yeah. embarrassing or anything. But she, she walked in to use the bathroom and it's just like a single person bathroom. Yep. And I'm just washing my hands. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. And she just shut the door and I could tell she was a little embarrassed. To be honest, it kind of like uh, <laughs> broke the ice a little bit. Cause yeah. I come out and be like, hey, I'm uh, the engineer you asked to you know, used. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's how I met her. Um, the first day was pretty nervous, but at the end of the day, like I've done the job before. So it wasn't, wasn't that I didn't feel like I was qualified. I totally was qualified, but you know, you know, the, the, the the pressure is high. The stakes are high. Um, you want to try and close that gig. You want to try and be able to come back. So (laughs) obviously you want to do a good job. So, so yeah, that was a little nerve wracking. Uh, but eventually she called me back and, and then we just sort of got into a flow and then it just became like, for sure. Yeah. That's so cool, man. And I, I want to ask you something that is along the same lines of like a moment, right? I know even I walked into your house and you see and you hear the word Grammy, right? You're a Grammy winner. Mm-hmm. What does that feel like? And where what, what was that feeling like on the day that you won a Grammy? Oh, that was, um, so I was, I found out, uh, so basically, a group of us got together at Drew from the Chainsmokers' house. They, they were nominated for three awards that year, okay. uh, one of which I was nominated for. And so we're all getting ready at, at his house, um, and we they have two sprinter vans ready to take the whole crew. So management, tour management, the girlfriends, the family, the moms, the dads, <laughs> like everybody yeah. was coming down. There was like 30 of us going down. And uh, we... We're walking out of his car, getting ready to go down to this, the red carpet. And somehow I heard from the other van, somebody scream. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? Whatever. And then sort of like the information just traveled. Again, we're all just getting like rolling into the van. I yep. think I'm like in one of the back seats or something. So then it happens. Then everybody sort of gets out and we're all like celebrating. So we celebrate on on this, on this a side street in front of Drew's house. Wow. And uh, that's how we found out. And then we made our way down and course like you know that was an award that was done on the pre-telecast mm-hmm. that we won um so it was best dance recording so you know we could have gone earlier and accepted the award but i think we were all just wanted to get ready and like plan you know for a good night so for sure uh yeah it was it was a, it no, was a great crazy. moment and yeah and yeah I, it was a once in a lifetime feeling i would say for sure i mean that's until like you, that's the epitome of, of like music if you think about music success like winning a grammy is in my eyes, like the epitome of success in that world. In some ways. Yeah, yeah for sure. By some metrics. Yeah. When it comes to like your career of getting into software, I know that you launched some cool stuff this year. Yeah. How have you gone about testing different verticals when it comes to music and investing and launching software? It's like, where do you spend your time nowadays and what are you excited about? Um, I mean, my time shifts 
a, a fair bit. Uh, obviously, like I said, going back to the sort of uh, hub and spoke and, and wheel sort of metaphor, like the hub is really making music, but I probably only spend about 25% of my time now making music. Um, a lot <laughs> of it is like just business development, building relationships, uh, looking at new opportunities that might uh, be around and be available to me. Uh, software was something that I've always wanted to do uh, and I thought was something that I would be good at because I understand the, the, the needs of a producer and an engineer and I know what I want. And if, and if it's good enough for me, I feel like it would be good enough for, yep. for other creators. And so I, that sort of got me along the, 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 the path. Uh, there's a lot of learning along the way uh, but the other reason is, you know, as a creative, your job is not, your time is not scalable. So the yep. only way to scale your business as a creative is to charge more, right? Because there's still yep. only 24 hours in the day. And most creators who are working at a high level, like if you ask anybody, we're all pretty much like busy all the time. And so you don't have the ability to create more hours in a day. You have to find new ways to, to leverage that yep. business. And I learned a, an early lesson uh, from Duro actually uh, about having multiple income streams. Like you shouldn't just get into music and do one thing unless like that's the one thing you love and you're really yep. good at it and, and you can't think of doing anything else. Uh, for me, I was always very entrepreneurial and I, I took that lesson and said, I need to build multiple income streams. And so going into product was a way of, this is how I can influence the industry long past my my due date, my yep. expiry date <laughs> as a creator. And we all know like pop music is general, pop, hip hop, you know, contemporary music is generally run by the young people. Totally. And, you know, I'm in my mid thirties. And so at some point uh, there's going to be a 22 year old who's going to like come around and just crush what I do. <laughs> and like that, that's just part of uh, growing up and part of life. And that's a good thing. I actually welcome it. Uh, and so my job is to now prepare for that day by creating other avenues and other income streams that can, you know, sort of, I, that can leverage what I do on music. And anytime I do that, I sort of ask myself two questions. Does the new business I'm working on or idea that I'm focused on, is it supported by what I do in music and vice versa? Does it reverse support what I do in music? So totally. by doing plugins, it puts you know, it puts my name in a space that maybe not other engineer, not every engineer is. And that sort of shines a light on my creative career, but also what I've done in my creative career has allowed me to sort of like, you know, build relationships in the plugin world and, and, and sort of, uh, uh get a head start yep. uh, among, you know, from other software developers. Or totally. And so with plugins, like if there's a producer or aspiring musician out there, what do they do to get access to it? Why did you decide to launch it this year? I know that when we spoke, you launched three. Is that correct? Well, or when, you, when you launched we had two? first spoke, I had one product out. and yep. But over the course of this year and under a year, I've launched three software products. And now we have like nine products on the Very website. Cool. So, so yeah. with that, is it how are they different? And like for the people that may not know what a plugin is, I'd love for you to go more in depth on what exactly that is. Yeah, so a plugin is just like a piece of software that, can change sound in any number of ways. And there's like thousands of different plugins and they all do a little something different. And some of them will change the, the EQ of, of, a, of a sound. Some might add distortion, some might add reverb or delay or anything like that. The, you know, 
to parallel the uh, digital media world. If you work in Photoshop or, yep. or Illustrator or something like that, you know, you can, uh, there's third party plugins that are created to make an interesting effect or, or different types of brushes or things like that. No different. It's just a different shade of brush stroke for music, basically. Got it. Um, and so, yeah, and I felt like I was qualified to build things like that because I use them every day. I've used every plugin in the world. So, uh, yeah, that, that was sort of the, the, the reasoning of, of why. Very was, cool. Yeah. I know that we, uh, we spoke about it a little bit, but this year it's been a different experience at, for someone that works in the music business. Yeah. How has this year changed what you do and what have you learned from this past year in 2020? Uh, you know what? I was actually very fortunate this year because most producers just live in their studio anyways. They're not really <laughs> leaving the yeah. studio a whole lot. Like we literally wake up and live in the studio. So, uh, and my studio is fortunately in my house. So I didn't really have to leave in the, I was like, <laughs> I was on quarantine last year. Yeah, so it yeah. was, you know, uh, I guess it's a little different. You don't, you can't go out and, and do the networking and a lot of the events get shut down. And so a lot of those areas where you want to uh, build relationships or, or create new ones uh, have been removed. Uh, but I think it's also forced people to innovate in how they market themselves and how they sort of yep. uh, put themselves out to the world. You're seeing like uh, what I've noticed this year is a ton of people have got onto Twitch. Like Twitch is... And totally. not that Twitch is a new thing this year, but in the music space, specifically in the music space, I've seen a huge uh, number of people sort of like congregate around the Twitch universe. And so that's a way to like bring people into your world and, and create a, another revenue stream and another opportunity for people to maybe hire you later. Uh, so yeah, I find that it's just been a lot of like unique ways of, you know, getting music out there and sharing it with people and, and experiencing it, so... What's your what's your thoughts on? I, I saw what was it like? Travis Scott did that live concert in Fortnite. Are, are you referring to like those type of things? Well, it's like I mean, there's different so many installations of them. and yeah, like ways I, I to just I just monetize. mixed the the Lil Nas X single Holiday and okay. he launched it with like the first concert in Roblox. Yep, I saw that, and so I was on that and I got to see it. So like, yeah, that's like a a, a microcosm of a larger sort of thing. How has that played out? Like from, from someone that's in it, like, is it a good thing for the artist and for the collaboration? Like what's the, what is the back end? You know? I mean, I, th I think it's, it's all a good thing. Any, any sort of way of creating a new experience is always going to be, uh, I'm, like, I believe that technology and, and all it's, it's supposed to move forward. We're yep. not supposed to just stay in one place. And so if this is the way forward, then great. Obviously for artists, a huge part of their business has been, uh, away from them which touring. is touring and so uh, I would imagine for most artists that this has been a challenging year totally. um, and aside from just touring like then you have to ask yourself do you want to put an album out this year you know how do we promote this album like it's so much harder like we can't go out on the road we can't you know meet the fans we can't do all the things we're used to doing does it make sense to spend a year working on a record that that maybe we're going to put out and people are just going to forget about in a week because know there's too many other more important things going on and so for artists i think there's a, a a larger challenge that they've had to solve and i think people have done it in really unique ways like like the fortnite concerts yep. and, and things like that uh for i got lucky because as a producer you're kind of just stuck in the studio yeah. anyways so everything i do i can do from my, my home for sure so. what do you think makes you different than other producers out there 
Um, well, hmm, interesting. Probably two things. One, I've wor I work in all sorts of different genres, and I've never really crossed off any one thing on my list of things to do. Like, I've never worked a, done a country record. This year, I did a country record. For sure. Great. Um, <clears throat> aside from that, like, so the business stuff, like, a lot of creators who I know, producers or engineers or, or mixers or whatnot, you know, they focus on their craft. And, you know, I've focused on my craft for a long time, and now focus is like what are the other things that I can do so whether it's maybe education and you know some of the stuff that I do on YouTube passing that along yep. to the next generation of producers or making the plugins or you know uh, investing in in other music companies and music uh, tech businesses and uh, that to me is like what excites me so it's not sure. just about like making a new beat anymore yeah. how often are you making beats nowadays like what does your workflow look like i know that you said you spend about 25 percent of your time there yeah. but like what, what does that look like when someone sends you um you know the verse or whatever it is and you mix it what is that process is it a quick process for you nowadays like i'm sure it's something that you're obviously a master yeah. at but what does that look like yeah like mixing a song is sort of doesn't change if somebody sends me files and i'm mixing it like i can turn a, a mix around in in uh four hours or something okay. like that and and that largely doesn't change. As far as like making tracks and writing, um, now what I used to do is I would just grind every day, like making new tracks, writing new songs, yep. doing new stuff every day. Now it's more when I have an idea or something that really um, speaks to me that makes me want to create, then I will sit down and create something. Uh, and when I say create, I'm always creating, but creating for the sake of creation and not like for a specific project, like where I'm yep. not hired to do something. I'm just, you know, decide to write a song today. That usually just requires some sort of inspiration. Like maybe I hear a loop in a pack that I'm just going yep. through and like, Oh, that, Oh, I got a great idea for that. And then I'll just start working on it. Or I could be up at like two in the morning and <laughs> can't sleep and just like, Oh, I, Oh, there's an idea for a song that I started like two weeks ago. Let me just go in and do that. So like last night I was up till three in the morning okay. just changing the, the pre-chorus of, of a song that I did like a month ago. And that was all I did on that song is I just changed yep. the pre-chorus because I had a better idea and then I'll come back to it in another week and like yep. eventually it'll be a <laughs> song and it'll yeah. be great. Yeah. Uh, but I find that that uh, is, works better for my creative process right now. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. When you're working with different artists, do you have any artist in mind that is... I would not the best session, but some of the most interesting stories with when working with these high level artists, like how do they act differently? What makes them unique? How is their workflow? And like, as the producer, how do you manage different talent and different personalities? Um, you know, I go and talk uh, with students a lot, like music students and share with them information about my career. And, and, and one of the things I always try to impart is that, your skill set is only half the battle, really. The other half the battle is like knowing how to communicate with people and knowing yep. how to fit in in a room. And especially for artists, like when you're in the studio, that's like a, a safe space. That's yep. a sanctuary where they can be, they're free to do anything that they want. And so you have to know how to uh, nurture that creative process and not get in the way of it. Totally. Uh, and, you know, I, I grew up in... I was very lucky. I, I grew up in Toronto, which is a very multicultural uh, city. 
my high school was a very multicultural high school. So I had like friends from every walk of life, you know, that listened to every genre of music, like didn't matter. Like I had friends across like a, really yep. a global friend group. And that allows you to sort of like, you become a chameleon and I can fit in, in like a hardcore hip hop session and I can fit in with a young pop singer <laughs> and I can, you know, fit in, in a, in a EDM session with like some yep. DJs and stuff. So, uh, I think it's just a matter of like knowing how to communicate and, and, uh, yeah. And, and just being open-minded, uh, you know, if you have a, a ton of interests, yep. <clears throat> likely you're going to share some interests with some of the artists you work with. And that gives you a, a sort of a, a platform to begin a relationship. How do you think the music business has changed since you've gotten started? I know with social media and how things have moved to where it is today, like how has it changed and where do you see it going? Uh, that's a tough thing. I mean, I think music is just, music is always going to be what it is. People are going to make music and the, the music is going to evolve. That's going to happen. Um, I think the consumption of music, I've thought about this a lot. I don't know where it goes from here, right? We went from physical media to, yep. you know, so vinyl to cassette to CD to downloadable owned media. And now everyone just streams. And so when you stream, you don't actually own anything. So I don't know where the consumption model can go other than, I mean, Right now, for $10 a month or whatever it is, you yep. can you have every single song that's ever been created that doesn't have some sort of like uh, yeah. license that won't let it go on, on the streaming platform. So I don't, know, I don't know how else that evolves, but I do think there will be evolution in the concert experience. I think you're going to start to see a lot of VR and uh, augmented uh, reality sort of uh, concert experiences. I think what we're seeing with Fortnite, the in-game yep. concert Roblox stuff. Roblox, that stuff. That's sort of like a baby step, but like picture a world where you can put on your VR headset and it's in high definition and stereoscopic sound and you can go to a Beyonce show, but now the artist's creativity is like expanded uh, by orders of magnitude because instead of Beyonce has to be on this stage with the dancers over here, the band over here, and you know they move around and, and they create a, a great stage yep. show. Now, <laughs> now you have you can put her on the rings of Saturn yep. and, and <laughs> have her perform from there. And ha like yeah. you can do literally anything you want. Um, and I think those experiences are going to become more and more like real. Uh, and as that technology improves, I think we're that that's going to open a whole new door of things. Beyond that, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> for sure, that's that's one area that I think we'll certainly we'll see a ton of growth is in li like uh, concerts and, and live stuff. For sure. Yeah. What is your if you had to give any advice when it comes to networking? And like you said, you grew up in a place where you meet a lot of different people, different walks of life. Like if there's a young producer out there that's getting started today, yeah. like what's your advice to them when it comes to networking, getting in the right rooms and setting yourself up for success in the music business? Uh, there's a few things that I usually will say. The first thing is never say no when you're getting started and people will take advantage of you. And, but you know what? That's okay because you have to show value yep. and music is a field that, uh, a lot of people want to be in and there just isn't enough room for everybody. And so you have to be more valuable than the next person. And so I always say like, 
when you're getting started, I interned unpaid for like years, a couple years unpaid in New York, yep. which was tough. And I had to juggle an unpaid internship during the day and then engineering at night for like a little bit of money. And that's yep. what got me started. But I would not change it because providing that service as an intern gave me my real education. Like that gave me the true education. I went to school, of course, but that gets you so far. Once yep. you're in a room where there's consequences and you could be fired or you could lose files and there, there's real consequences, you learn quicker. And so it's important to be in a room where nobody's spending any money on you. You're there <laughs> for free. You're providing value. People are going to be a little more, uh, uh, you're going to have a little more leeway in, in when you make mistakes and, and things yep. like that. And I think that's important. So, you know, don't say no to anything. Uh, be, try to be as valuable as you can. And then, you know, as you build those relationships, learn where you can like, you know, okay, I need to start billing more for this, or I need to start, you know, setting some boundaries here. That's okay. <laughs> and that's going to happen. And that's natural. Uh, but to start, you just want to like do everything you can. For sure. When I think about an entrepreneur, like, and a musician, we have these achievements, for example, like winning an award or getting yeah. a plaque. There's these levels of achievement that bring the work to fruition. And I want to ask you, like when you look around and you see the plaques that you've won or the awards, like what do they mean to you deep down? And how, how do you continue to strive and move on to the next project or to think bigger? Because, you know, for a lot of people, yeah. they, they want that one award or that one plaque and you've had so many awards. So like, what keeps you motivated and what does the success and the plaques and the awards mean to you? Um, to be honest, they don't mean a whole lot. And the reason is because they've never actually cha materially changed my career in any way. Yep. Having a plaque didn't get me in a room with somebody. Um, it didn't create a new opportunity. Um, maybe the Grammy thing does a little bit, um, but not in some sort of significant way. It's not like you wake up, you win a Grammy, yeah. you wake up tomorrow and all of a sudden <laughs> you've got a thousand voicemails. Like it doesn't really materially change anything. So it's nice recognition of um, just reinforcement that you're doing the right thing and, and you're, you're, uh, you're on your way on the right path. Um, but I really don't think a whole lot about it. I mean, most of the plaques that you see here were just gifted to me. And yep. So I, uh, one, one of the misconceptions is, you know, you work on a platinum album, they just send you a plaque. No, <laughs> you have to go and buy the plaque yourself. Yeah. And they're not cheap. So, um, yeah, for me, like, I think I may have only bought like one or two plaques in my life. Every plaque that you see was, was gifted to me. And so... It's nice. It's it's a thing, uh, but it doesn't materially change anything. Um, and yeah, I, I don't really spend too much time sure. thinking about it. The focus is like, what's the? How can I grow? What's the next thing I can do? How can I learn a new skill that is going to allow me to do uh, more in this arena or something over here? That like it's sort of the knowledge and and working towards like the next goal. That's sort of what pushes me is like always just <coughs> setting another goal that's yep. just 10 paces behind the next one, 10 paces behind that and like achievable ones. And if you do that and you start like hitting goals every year, um, I just find that you, you have like enough fuel to like keep moving forward. Love that. Last question before we wrap up. 
What are you excited about moving into the new year? And what are you currently working on that you want to tell the people about? Uh, what am I most excited about? Well, hopefully uh, uh, COVID vaccine right, <laughs> so we can yeah. uh, get back to sort of regular scheduled programming. Um, as far as next year, you know, the focus for me is is kind of going to be largely similar to what it was this year with probably a little more emphasis on what I'm doing on the social media side with YouTube or yep. uh, if I you know dive into the Twitch side of things. Um, there will be more products on the software side of things. Um, uh, of course, always going to continue to work on music. And, and uh, so long as I keep getting called, I'll, I'll keep doing that. So I think next year is going to be hopefully a lot of getting back to normal yep. is, is the hope. Uh, you know, being able to travel a little more and, and, and go take the meetings that I couldn't take this year and, and just getting back to a, a sense of normalcy. I think th that's my hope for next for sure. year. I don't know. Love that. Yeah. All right. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today. Swivel, where's the best me. place for everyone to follow you? Uh, you can follow me, uh, djswivel.com. It's at djswivel on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you want to find me. It's, I'm not hard to find. Cool. Well, everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Swivel, thanks so much for oh, coming man. on. Appreciate it. Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. But if you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Plus.